0: Get ready, America. This is Declaring Liberty. Welcome, my friends. I am Mark Pantano, and this is another episode of Declaring Liberty. Today is Wednesday, the sixth day of February, which means that last night was the State of the Union Address. I'm sure that most of you watched it, as did I, and I am not going to uh, spend a bunch of time discussing Trump's speech last night. You all saw it. You've doubtless heard uh, lots of political commentators give their opinions about the speech whether good or bad, or frankly, who gives a damn what they have to say. And really, who gives a damn what I have to say about the State of the Union? It is what it is. It was what it was. You saw it. You make up your own mind what you thought of about it. Uh, as you probably know, I don't care for the State of the Union address. I think that it's stupid, no matter who the president is. I just think it has become a ridiculous political event, and I frankly don't like watching it. I watched it because this is sort of my, what I do. I've, I've got to stay up on these things. But if this wasn't, you know, part of my business, uh, I probably wouldn't watch these things and just read about it the next day, see clips on it the next day. But I watched it, and it was good. I mean, Trump did a good job. I think politically, this, uh, you know, this was good for what it was worth. I don't read too much into these things. You know, people put way too much importance on these State of the Union addresses. And the the fact of the matter is, by the end of the week, no one will be able to tell you anything about it. Probably the only thing that people will remember from this speech uh, is probably the idiots in white. That's about it. I mean, the truth of the matter is, there are just very few political speeches in American history that anyone remembers. I mean, you could count them on one hand, the number of political speeches throughout history that have have been remembered over time. I mean, look at Barack Obama. We were told ad nauseum that this guy was like the greatest political orator of our time or or in in American history or he's up there with one of the greatest. Of course, I think that's an absolute joke. But putting that aside... If he's so great, how come you can't remember any lines from any of his speeches? Or very few of them. I can't remember any. He didn't say anything memorable. and Most presidents don't say anything memorable in these speeches. The last one who really had any memorable lines was Ronald Reagan. And before him, uh, who knows. The point is that uh, these things are they're pretty... Um, ephemeral you know they're 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 here one minute they're gone the next nobody really remembers or cares what is important is the impression that you are left with after watching these speeches and from that point of view i think that this was definitely a uh, political win for the president he came across presidential he came across As someone who seeks to compromise, work with the other side, someone who is trying to advance the business of the country, do the right thing, all that stuff. Certainly, what was not on display was this caricature image that the mainstream press and the Democrat Party, of course, one and the same. The caricature image that they try to portray to the American people of this president. Of course, that caricature does not really exist. And so when regular americans who, who don't pay a whole lot of attention to politics tune into the state of the union and they see president trump acting presidential and for lack of a better word bipartisan but reasonable open-minded uh, a president of goodwill i mean that's what came across and that is in stark contrast to this caricature image that americans are force-fed by the media so when they go and they, they tune tune into the State of the Union and they see this for themselves, it doesn't jibe with what they're being told all the time that this president is. So I think that it's very important in terms of uh, just the impression that people get from watching the State of the Union. So in, the, in that respect, I think home run. Now, the specifics, I'm not going to get into any of the specifics. Um, you heard it. One question I do have is, why do Democrats insist on taking part in these juvenile exhibitions? You know, last night it was, they all dressed up in white. They looked ridiculous. And I don't even know, frankly, why they dressed up in white. I'm sure I could Google it and find the answer. I'm sure there have been articles written about why they dressed up in white, interviews from these morons about why they dressed up in white. Frankly, I don't care. It was to make some stupid point or statement. I don't care what they were trying to say. Whatever it was, it was stupid. Maybe it was a good point. Who knows? But the way in which they did it is just stupid. What's I mean, the dressing up, Yeah, it's just so juvenile. It's juvenile. And that's what I just detest about this kind of event. This is the kind of thing that goes on. Usually, it's really only engaged in by the left. They love these stupid exhibitions and these, you know, these childish things that they do. I mean, it's it, it's um, it's utterly unserious, and it's utterly unbecoming the United States of America to have our elected representatives in Congress behave this way and make juvenile points by all dressing up the same way. And Oh, I'm not going to stand and clap for this. I'm going to sit there and roll my eyes. I do love that this Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she certainly seems to be the de, the de facto leader of the Democrats. At least this new congress and i i think that's terrific now i don't particularly like to see this vapid little know-nothing elevated but if the democrat party is going to be represented by a singular person i think that she is a very good representative of the democrat party because she's an absolute fool She knows virtually nothing about anything. She's completely childish. She seems to care far more about her Twitter following than to actually learn anything and be a decent representative of her constituents. Uh, she, she, She clearly cares not a whit about knowing anything she's talking about, but it doesn't matter. I mean especially when your ideology is fantasism because nothing this woman and and all she represents and which is most of the democrat party now none of this is based in reality and like i say it's completely unserious they are completely unserious and there's few people to be fair who seem to be serious in Washington, D.C. I mean, we have a $22 trillion fiscal operating debt. That's just our accumulated, on-the-books money that we have borrowed to finance our ongoing operations. $22 trillion debt. We have nearly a $1 trillion yearly deficit. Our unfunded liabilities are over $200 trillion. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, all these entitlement programs. $200 trillion. You cannot even wrap your mind around the financial shithole we as a country are in. The interest alone on the debt we have accumulated, the fiscal operating debt, the $22 trillion fiscal operating debt. The interest alone on that every year is 364 billion dollars. 364 billion dollars just paid on interest, just pissed away. That money is just completely pissed away. And yet, that's 364 billion. And yet we can't come up with the 5 billion to build a wall which would save far more money than the 5 billion it would take to build it. Of course it would it would truth be told it would require more than 5 billion to build it the estimates are up close closer to like 20 trillion but that's that's the number that we've been fighting over for the last several months this 5 billion for a portion of the wall now if we spent that 5 billion and we and we started cutting back on this illegal immigration which costs us billions and billions every year hundreds of billions it would save up, save us way more money than the money we would spend building this wall. But we're completely unserious. Well, at least the Democrats and many of the Republicans are completely unserious because a lot of the Republicans are in on this too. I mean, you have President Trump doing everything he can to get the funds out of Congress to build this wall. And then he is talking about The idea of declaring a national emergency under the National Emergencies Act, which would be completely legal for him to do under that statute. So he's talking about doing that. And then we have Republicans, specifically Republicans in the Senate, led by Mitch McConnell, saying that if the president does that, that they may very well vote to override that decision. Completely unserious completely unserious for the times and the issues that we face. And to watch the State of the Union with the backdrop of of knowing all the serious problems we have and then see these childish buffoons led by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the petulant high school child, and to see them with their stupid decked out in white and the ridic- whatever they were doing, I mean, who cares? But it's just so... It's so unbecoming. It's so unfitting. It's so unserious. It, to, to just watch it just annoys me to no end. And uh, look, I like I like the uh, the people that Trump chose to highlight and invite. Uh, and so that was as as was good as far as it goes i just i just don't like the whole spectacle i just i don't like the state of the union so i'm done talking about it here i am i don't want to talk about it because i don't like it and i just spent like 12 minutes talking about it so let's move on as you know we are coming up on two years since robert Mueller was appointed to bring down the President of the United States by finding anything that the Democrats can use to impeach him or that the special prosecutor could use to charge the President whether or not DOJ regulations allow for the indictment of a President. That aside, that's what this was all about. Taking the President down however they could. We all know that. It's crystal clear at this point that that's what the intent was. And that was part one. The other part, the other reason Mueller was appointed was not just to bring down Trump, but to cover up for all those uh, in the Obama administration and in the Hillary camp who clearly violated countless laws. I mean, they were so brazen and their crime so obvious that the only way that they were going to be spared by prosec- from prosecution under the normal functioning of the Department of Justice would be to get a special counsel appointed so that nobody else could go near the entire subject. And that's, that's what the second purpose of Mueller's appointment was. To say that he was looking into all this, even though he's really not and keep any other prosecutors within the Department of Justice from going anywhere near this, and thus covering up for the Obama administration and Hillary and all of that. Now, the the, the witch hunt continues, as you know. It's, uh, it's still ongoing, and it's got tentacles stretching out all over the place. It's not just what Robert Mueller is doing inside his particular investigation and and the political hatchet men he has pretending to be objective prosecutors but we have this witch hunt taking place in other areas too specifically in the US attorney's office for the southern district of new york i got to tell you i've never seen anything like this where a president's own appointees are actively working to destroy him. But that is obviously what is going on within the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York. Keep in mind that all U.S. attorneys are presidential appointees. So whoever the uh, the jackass who is the U.S. attorney for the SDNY, and I, I don't recall this person's name off the top of my head this person was appointed by the president and this person has clearly been working colluding if you will with Robert Mueller in order to take down this president now as you will recall the president's former personal attorney Michael Cohen was his his law office was raided he was subsequently indicted he'll be going to prison soon But the whole purpose, you'll remember the outrage at the time when we discovered that the FBI conducted a raid on the president's personal attorney's law office, and they seized all kinds of documents relating to the president, and then a judge reviewed the documents and decided which documents were protected by the attorney-client privilege and which documents could be turned over to the special counsel's office you'll remember that you might not remember that Mueller then handed off that entire investigation to the US Attorney for the Southern District of New York and that person has continued to investigate this whole Michael Cohen situation he's been you know presumably pouring over all these documents that they seed in the raid upon his office And there has been some recent news about that continuing operation. Now, as a general matter, I don't really get into all this news we get about these various investigations in terms of the specifics because it would just be speculation. Aside from the indictments, which are just charges, we know nothing about what's going on inside these investigations Anything is just pure speculation. It's all just speculation. We have no idea. And I really don't want to engage in a lot of speculation, especially since most of the time we find out this this speculation in the media turns out to be wrong. So what's the point of getting all worked up, discussing things that are just speculation and are almost always wrong anyway? So I just, I'm hands off. I don't really talk about it in terms of the substance. I will when something actually happens, if something actually happens, and it needs to be discussed, then I'll talk about it. And and with respect to these indictments that have come down, I haven't even really spent much time talking about those because they have absolutely nothing to do with the president or with uh, the supposed Russian collusion. These are all just process crimes uh, and old crimes having nothing to do with the president. And so, What's the point? I'm not, I'm not getting into that. However, I will comment about just sort of the um, the broader points about this investigation. That's what I want to get into a little bit here. I've got an article here from CNN uh, dated, well this is, uh, what's this, yesterday. And this article is specifically about the investigations being conducted by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York. The article goes uh, this way New York federal prosecutors in recent months have undertaken at least two investigations into Trump related entities. The first one, which CNN has reported stemmed from the office's case against Trump's former personal attorney, Michael Cohen, is examining possible campaign finance violations by executives at the Trump Organization during the company's effort to reimburse Cohen for hush money payments he made or orchestrated to silence women who claimed affairs with Trump. Trump has denied those affairs. Now, about this particular accusation. First, it is important to note that this information that sparked this particular aspect of the investigation came as a direct result of documents and evidence seized from Trump's personal attorney. That was the whole purpose of that. Robert Mueller was desperate to get anything on the president. And he knew that if anybody would have anything incriminating on the president, it would be his personal attorney who handled a lot of this stuff. And if he could just get his hands on his attorney's files, then maybe he could find some area of inquiry where he could turn up something That he could use against the president and that was the entire purpose of raiding his office and it boggles my mind as an attorney myself it absolutely blows me away that there is not a universal outrage that a federal prosecutor in order to get a target of his investigation orders the fbi to raid that person's attorney's offices to dig up dirt on an obvious fishing expedition. It it blows my mind. But that is the place we've come to in this country where the ends justify the means and to hell with whatever you have to destroy in order to get the person that you want to get. In this case, Trump. And if it means destroying the entire concept of the... Attorney client privilege and confidentiality, then so be it. I guess we'll repair the damage to that long standing institution after we've gotten Trump. But until then, to hell with it. To hell with attorney client privilege, to hell with the Fourth Amendment, to hell with all of it. We got to get him. We got to get him. We got to bring him down, whatever it takes. That's what this was about. It was, it was a fishing expedition to try to turn up anything they can use against the president. Now, to the specific, one of the, the things they think they've, they've got that they are going to try to move against Trump on is this hush money payment business to Stormy Daniels. As you'll recall, this is one of the things Michael Cohen pled guilty to, like a fool, and that was uh, that these hush money payments to keep stormy daniels quiet were campaign finance violations which is utterly ridiculous and just because michael cohen pled guilty to campaign finance violations for his connection with making hush money payments to stormy daniels does not mean that the president is guilty of it even if he directed him to and, and, for, and that's for two reasons, and I'll explain them. First, just because someone pleads guilty to a charge doesn't mean he is in fact guilty of that charge. Let me tell you a dirty little secret that everyone who practices criminal law knows. Defendants plead guilty to things they didn't do all the time as part of a plea bargain agreement. So they'll have more serious charges on on the guy, right, on the defendant. And the defense attorneys and the prosecutors will come up with an agreement that says basically, hey, instead of pleading to these more serious charges of which the defendant is guilty, we'll let him plead to these lesser charges of which he's not guilty. Happens all the time. And so that could be one of the things that's going on here. They have him on more serious things. But what's really helpful is if he pleads guilty to something that we can connect to Trump. So I'm sure they found a lot on Michael Cohen. The guy is obviously a dirtbag, obviously a slimeball. They probably found lots of things far more serious than campaign, campaign finance violations that they could have prosecuted him for but unfortunately for them they had absolutely nothing to even tangentially argue that they were connected to trump right but if he pleads guilty to campaign finance violations for paying off stormy daniels well then we have a connection to trump so let's get in a plea to that and we'll dismiss or we will we'll agree not to pursue these more serious things but he can he can plead guilty to this so he pleads guilty to that because what's in it for him what's in it for him is avoiding these more serious charges so he pleads guilty to these things that he wasn't even really technically guilty of why because this is not a campaign finance violation now let me explain what they're saying is the campaigns the campaign violation according to prosecutors is that the payments were in-kind contributions which should have been reported. These these federal campaigns must account for their expenditures. And so if you spend money for something, you have to account for that. You have to disclose that, what you spent it on. And if somebody makes a contribution or or, or an expenditure on your campaign's behalf— That's called an in-kind contribution, and that must also be reported. So what they're saying here is that because Michael Cohen arranged for these hush money payments, those were in-kind contributions, which should have been reported by the campaign as campaign contributions. But they weren't reported, so aha! That's a campaign violation. And so that's their theory. Well, here's the problem with that. Something can only be considered as an in-kind campaign contribution if the campaign could have used campaign money to make that expenditure. Okay? So, in order for hush money payment to be considered an in-kind campaign contribution, then it sh- then it must be okay for a campaign to use campaign contributions... For hush money payments but it is not proper to use campaign contributions for hush money payments so say instead of michael cohen arranging this payment to be made outside of the campaign instead of that what if they just took campaign money and paid stormy daniels to keep her mouth shut well that would have been a campaign violation why Because you're not allowed to use campaign money to pay off porn stars or anyone else. That would be an improper use of campaign contributions. So, if you can't use campaign money to make a payment to Stormy Daniels, you can't use campaign money to pay off a porn star, then if you used money outside of the campaign to pay, you know, pay off a porn star, that money cannot be considered an in-kind campaign contribution. Does that make sense? I hope it does. But this whole thing, is no, there's no crime here. This is not a campaign finance violation, even though this idiot Michael Cohen pled guilty to it. It's also interesting to note, and not unimportant, in terms of pointing out what an overtly political investigation this is, and not a legal investigation. It's a political witch hunt investigation. And that is that most of the time, campaign finance violations are not treated criminally. They are addressed civilly. Under the federal statutes, prosecutors can either treat it as a crime or as a a civil issue in which a fine is assessed against the campaign. And that's almost always how these things are handled. Barack Obama, the saintly Barack Obama, the one, his campaign illegally it was involved in hundreds, I can't remember if it was direct expenditures or in-kind, contribu- in-kind campaign contributions or what exactly it was, But his campaign was engaged in hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of campaign violations. And surprise, surprise, the Justice Department didn't pursue criminal action against Obama and his campaign associates. No, of course not. It was handled civilly. He got a little civil slap on the wrist, and that's how it was taken care of. But in this case, oh no, we gotta string them up. We gotta send these sons of bitches to prison. Why? Because we hate Donald Trump, that's why. But so that's, it's, it's important not to lose sight of that fact. Now, continuing on with this story, because that isn't the only thing that apparently the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York is investigating. The second investigation concerns the Trump inaugural committee and possible finance abuses related to the more than $100 million in donations raised for his inauguration. On Monday, prosecutors issued a sweeping subpoena to the committee, requesting documents related to virtually every donor or donation, attendee at a committee event, piece of paperwork related to the legal requirements attached to the donations, and even the possibility of donations made by foreign nationals. Well, if this doesn't sound like a fishing expedition, then I don't know what the hell does. You know, under our laws, under the 4th Amendment, you're you're not allowed just to conduct fishing expeditions and order companies, people, organizations just to turn over all their documents so you can investigate them to see if they did anything wrong. That's not how it's supposed to work, my friends. They're supposed to get a warrant based on probable cause that a crime has actually been committed. And that there is likely evidence to be found at the place to be searched. Right, That's how it's supposed to work. But what prosecutors often do is to hell with the warrant, we're just going to get a grand jury subpoena. And a grand jury subpoena, you could just order them to turn over all their records. There's no probable cause issue. Just get them to turn over everything. And that's what's going on here. This wasn't a warrant. This was a grand jury subpoena. It wasn't a subpoena in connection with a trial. This was a grand jury subpoena. And just just hand over everything. Why? Because we just want to look at everything you got so we can find something to get the president. That's what's going on here. This is an absolute fishing expedition. They want to bring down the president. So they're just going to investigate everything. Everything about this guy. They don't put anybody else under a microscope like this. Now they're they're going to look at every single donation piece of paperwork that went through the inaugural committee. If you did they're probably gonna find something. A hundred million dollars worth of donations? Yeah, you're gonna find something. You're gonna find some. who shouldn't have been contributing, contributing. Some foreign national that wasn't allowed under our campaign finance laws to contribute to Trump's inaugural committee, who forged a document or lied on the the submission to the campaign with his donation. And uh, they're going to uncover this person and indict them and Then claim that, oh, another person close to Trump uh, committed a crime. And, oh, this is one step closer to bringing down the president. What did the president know and when did he know? This is just a pure fishing expedition to take down the president. We all know it. And we're all getting quite sick of it. And if you did this to pretty much any campaign, you would find illegalities, discrepancies fraud. You'd find all kinds of things. You cannot have money in this, in these numbers by all these different people. You don't know who they are, where they're from, you know, giving money to the campaign. You're going to find something on virtually any campaign you were to look at in this way. But we don't look at everybody in this way. We look at Trump in this way. And let me tell you something else. These officials with the campaign, these officials involved in Trump's organization who might be questioned by the FBI, by these prosecutors and their investigators, you better just keep your mouth shut. I mean, I can't imagine at this point anybody being stupid enough to talk to any of these investigators. Frankly, I can't imagine anyone being stupid enough to talk to them at all, period. Pretty much everyone who has been indicted by Mueller has been indicted because they talked to Mueller. That is his modus operandi. That is what's going on here. And if any of you are stupid enough at this point to talk to Mueller or his investigators or this Southern District of New York prosecutor or his investigators, then, you know, honestly, you probably just deserve to be in prison just for being an idiot. Because what do you think they want to talk to you for? They want to talk to you, ask you the same question a million different ways. And first of all, by the way, they're not going to talk to you until they already know everything. They're really not talking to you to find out information. They're talking to you to set up a perjury trap for you so that they can indict you and squeeze you in an effort to try to make you give up information or testify against the president in some way. That's what this is about. And the way a perjury trap works is they find out everything about you that they can. They get every email. That's why they get all these documents and everything first before they talk to you. They pour through your documents. They look at your emails, your telephone records. They do do interviews with all these other people connected to you. And then they come and interview you. They already know all the answers to whatever questions they might pose to you. And they're just waiting for you to say something that doesn't comport with what they already know. So they'll ask you about emails. And if you say something that isn't correct about an email that you sent three years ago, then they're going to indict you for lying to the FBI. If they ask you if you had a conversation with so such and such person at some restaurant three and a half years ago, and you say no, but that person says that you did have a conversation, guess what? You're getting indicted and charged with... Lying to the FBI. If they asked you what you had for dinner three weeks ago and you said pot roast, but they have a witness who said they were at your house and you had salmon, you're getting indicted for lying to the FBI. So the only smart thing to do is not to talk to these people, but surprise, surprise, it just, it boggles the mind. These people keep talking to Mueller. They keep talking to these investigators And they keep getting indicted. Roger Stone, the most recent example of this. Why the hell Roger Stone would voluntarily give information, talk to these people, is beyond me. Everything that he was indicted for stemmed from his talking. If he hadn't given interviews, he wouldn't have been indicted. Now on to the next subject. Oh, but before I get there, I just want to thank all of you who have been subscribing to the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for spreading the word. Thank you for listening. Th- thank you for helping me grow this. If you haven't already, subscribed for free. You might be listening to this at the website at DeclaringLiberty.com or MarkPantano.com. Please make sure you also go ahead and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. You can subscribe by email to uh, both of those websites. You can subscribe to the podcast itself through iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. Um, There's going to be other ways soon. We're just waiting for final approval from some of these other places, and I'll get you more information as I have it. Thank you also for subscribing to my YouTube channel. If you haven't done that, go over to YouTube. Find me, Mark Pantano, and subscribe to my channel. Also, thank you so much for subscribing over at Patreon, where you can help support this podcast. You know, For just the cost of a beer a month, you can help financially keep this podcast going. If you want to donate more than that, you can get access to all kinds of bonus material and uh, gifts and things like that. So please check that out over at Patreon.com. So thanks again. I just wanted to... Give you my thanks because I do greatly appreciate it. Now on to the next topic: gun grabbers. Gun grabbers. You know the left is after your guns. They hate guns. They hate the Second Amendment more than any other provision of the Constitution, and they hate most of the Constitution, but they hate the Second Amendment more than any any of the rest. And uh, this caught my eye yesterday. I've come across this jackass several times. Um, over the years, I've discussed him, and this is a guy named Art Acevedo, who is the chief of police for Houston, Texas, and he is a hardcore leftist. Of course, the entire city of Houston, um, the upper echelons of the city government there are hardcore leftist, and which is one of the reasons why we are on the verge of losing the state of Texas and with it, the entire country, and if you think I'm being hyperbolic on that issue, please head over to my YouTube page and uh, watch a video that I just posted yesterday about this. It's, uh, it's called Why Trump is Our, Our Last Chance or something along those lines. But so we have this, uh, this hardcore leftist uh, gun control nut as chief of police for the city of Houston. And uh, he is calling uh, for gun control, as he often does. Any, any excuse he can find to call for gun control, he will use. And so any time an officer is killed or, or injured as a result of uh, gunfire, then he takes that opportunity to call for gun control. And now the, this jerk is out you know, demanding that we pass uh, gun control in the form of, what does he want? Oh, yeah, he he wants an assault weapons ban. You know, of course, air quotes around assault weapons, because what the hell is an assault weapon? Well, it's whatever Democrats think they can define assault weapon to be and get away with it. So as broadly as they can define the term assault weapon, they will. And then they will keep adding to that definition to... To ban more and more weapons, but that's what they do. So he wants an assault weapons ban. He also wants a ban on high-capacity magazines, which, uh, in liberal speak, usually means anything that holds more than ten rounds. He also wants to ban the private sale of all firearms. So if you, for example, wanted to sell your twenty-two bolt-action rifle to your neighbor, who you've known for twenty-five years, then uh you can't it will be a crime and if you do that you'll go to prison the only way you can legally sell your bolt action 22 rifle to your neighbor is to go to the federal government and get permission and let them conduct a thorough anal exam on you and your neighbor and then maybe you can sell your firearm of course paying a hefty hefty tax Of course, that will be a part of it. But so that's what uh, this Art Acevedo is calling for now. And they're going to keep calling for gun control, as much of it as they can get away with, as often as they can. And keep in mind, you can never satisfy the left on anything, and you certainly cannot satisfy the left when it comes to gun control. It's interesting that this jackass, Art Acevedo, would call for a ban on assault weapons. It's interesting because he knows full well, as chief of police, that most gun crimes are not committed with assault weapons, no matter how you define that term. They are committed with handguns. Overwhelmingly, the majority of illegal gun crimes are committed with handguns. But he doesn't call for for, uh, banning handguns, at least not yet. He's calling for banning assault weapons. Why? Because we've scared everybody with the term assault weapon. And we show scary pictures of black guns with pistol grips and scary looking things attached to them. So we've effectively demonized the the term assault weapon. So that's easier to ban than handguns. So that's why Art Aceveda, the political hack pretending to be chief of police, is calling for an assault weapons ban because he thinks we can get away with that right now. That, that's why they're all calling for an assault weapons ban. And then once we ban assault weapons, are they going to be satisfied? Are they going to say, well, you know what, we've banned assault weapons and uh, people are still getting killed. I guess there's just nothing else we can do. Of course not. They're going to say... Well, look, we've banned assault weapons and people are still getting killed. We're not doing enough. We've got to have common sense gun control. Why do you hate common sense? This is just common sense. What's common sense? Well, we got to ban all semi automatic. That's just common sense. So, your deer rifle, if it's semi automatic, you can't have it. Banned. Your handgun, Semi-automatic? You can't have it. Banned. That semi-automatic shotgun you bought? Banned. Hand it over. So that's what they'll do. They'll ban all semi-automatics. So now you can only have a revolver, or you can have a, you know, a bolt-action rifle, or a lever-action, or a pump-action shotgun, or whatever. Uh, but nothing semi-automatic. But then, that won't solve the problem either. Because, of course, there'll still be all kinds of illegal guns all over the place because most of these people killing each other are doing so with illegal guns anyway. So they will just get weapons flowing over our porous borders that we don't want to close. But people, even if you got rid of those firearms that have already been banned, people will still be killing each other with shotguns and with revolvers and things like that. And so since people are still getting killed, we haven't solved the problem. We need more common sense gun control. Why are you against common sense? For the children. Children are going to be killed. we got to ban more stuff. So then we'll ban the... Ha- so we'll just keep banning and banning and banning things until we've banned everything. Oh, but Mark, they can't do that. That's unconstitutional. we got a Second Amendment. Oh, my little friend uh yeah they can't do it right now but they're going to do as much as they can right now and uh if and when they get control of the supreme court again then they will be able to ban whatever they want because at that point a left-wing supreme court given how far left the democrat party has gone and will continue to go a supreme court sometime in the future, if controlled by leftists, will issue an opinion that says definitively that the Second Amendment does not apply to individual Americans. It only applies to Americans who are actively serving in a state-regulated militia. I'm sorry, but that's just what it says. Actually, that's not what it says, but that's what they'll say it says. And so, unless you are actively serving in a state-sponsored and regulated militia, militia, then you have no individual right to keep and bear arms. So fuck over those guns. Once the Supreme Court issues uh, an opinion like that saying there is no individual right to keep and bear arms under the Second Amendment, at that point, state legislatures, local municipalities, the federal government, whoever can pass any law that they want banning whatever firearm that they want. They can just have a blanket ban on all firearms. They could just outright ban the private ownership of firearms of any kind. And with a Supreme Court opinion like that, it would be legal. And so that's how they're going to do it. That's how they will do it if they're given the opportunity. But until then, this is what they'll do. They'll do this incremental tyranny. They will ban whatever they can, whenever they can, and they will keep coming back for more. And that's what Art Acevedo, and this really, what really irritates me is that this is coming from a police chief. I mean, he didn't say anything here that we don't hear all the time from pretty much every Democrat, right? This is just, this is what they all say. What bothers me so much about it is that this is coming from a chief of police. In all seriousness, this is some seriously scary shit. To have a chief of police. Let's put aside the fact that he swears to uphold the Constitution. He swears an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Which includes the Second Amendment. And he doesn't care. He wants to abolish your rights under the Second Amendment. That's bad enough. But we're used to politicians doing that. What bothers me so much is he's, he's a chief law enforcement officer. He is a chief of police. And he does not want you to be able to protect yourself. He only wants the police to have guns. So if this authoritarian dirtbag, Art Acevedo, has his way, then if an armed intruder breaks into your house where your children are sleeping, he wants you to have absolutely no way to defend yourself. The only thing you can do is call the police. And are they going to be able to get there in time to save your ass? Probably not. Probably not. If you have an armed gunman in your home, how long do you think you got? You're going to tell the armed gunman to just just stop your ransacking. Just could you hold off on the maybe raping my wife until the police get here and then maybe you guys can shoot it out. And then if you're still standing, then you can, you know, murder me, rape my wife, kill my children, you know. Are they going to wait for the cops to have a shootout? No, of course not. They're going to shoot you in the face. They're going to rape your wife. Then they're going to stab her in the neck. They're going to kill your kids They're steal all your stuff. The police, if you even were able to call them, aren't going to be there until those guys are long gone. And Art Aceveda doesn't want you to be able to do a damn thing about it. And keep in mind, too, that the Supreme Court has already ruled that you have no constitutional right to police protection. So if the police don't show up and your family gets slaughtered, You don't have a cause of action against the police. You can't sue the police for not protecting you because you don't have a constitutional right to police protection. So on the one hand, you have no right to police protection. On the other hand, even if you did, there's no reasonable way that they can get there in time to save you. And on the other hand, who cares? He doesn't want you to have guns anyway and uh, whatever if our guys get there, whatever. That's what the left is. That's what the left wants. And this is the kind of sick crap you get when you put a hardcore leftist as a chief of police. It turns my stomach that this kind of dirtbag is a police chief. All right. Well, that's going to do it for me, my friends. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe on all those uh, different platforms I mentioned. And remember, as this should remind you, You got to keep fighting the left like your freedom depends on it, because it does.